Greetings and welcome back to episode number 73 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Michelle Murphy, aka the trademark attorney. She is getting legal with it. It's so important to have an episode every season that we dedicate towards the legal, the not so fun parts of being a designer or a creative. And Michelle is really fun to talk to. We also get into cryptocurrency stuff. We get into digital product stuff, NFTs. It's a really fun conversation and I know you guys are going to enjoy. So have at it. Kiss my aesthetic. Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag-worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice, so enjoy the episode. Greetings, everybody, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have another Michelle on the podcast. You're like my third Michelle. Michelle, welcome. Hi, welcome, Michelle. Oh my gosh, this is great, right? Um, A little like inception simulation moment, but you know. Um, For everyone who doesn't find you, follow you already online, first of all, I don't know how because I saw your content and I was like, oh. I need this girl on the podcast. And I sent it to my friend, Georgia, and she's like, I'm obsessed with her. And I was like, okay, great, perfect. I'm interviewing her. That's it. So tell us who you are, what you do, and who you help. Sure. So I'm Michelle Murphy. I am a small business attorney, and I help mostly online business owners. It's usually women who are service providers. So that's pretty much my little spiel. <laughs> love that. Love that. So take us back all the way to the beginning. How long have you been a lawyer? Have you always been on the small business side of things? Uh, kind of paint the picture for us. Sure. So I started practicing law in 2013 and I just opened my own law firm in 2019. Yay. Um, I was working at the Department of Justice from 2014 up to when I left in 2019. And the whole Business, like opening my law firm was not on my bingo card. <laughs> okay. Wait, tell us about that. Tell us about that. So I, like I had gotten my job at the federal government. Like that's pretty much where I wanted to be and wanted to go. And I had friends that had, you know, they had their own law firm, but that just wasn't what I wanted. And so 2018, things just started getting bad at, at my job. So I had already been so used to working at home. I was like, I can't go back into a work environment, like a normal work environment, an office environment. I was like, I'm going to just try this out. I'm just going to try it, see how it works. If it doesn't work, I can always go back. So it's not a huge deal. I'm always going to have my degree in my bar as mm-hmm. long as you know I'm doing what I need to do. So like, why not try it if it doesn't work? Yeah, I'll go back to you know nine to five private law. And so here I am still three years later, thank God, because <laughs> I know a lot of small businesses do shut down in like what, the first five years? True. So <laughs> true. I know. Once you kind of make it over that hump, you're like, okay, like I beat the statistic. Like, right. sweet. <laughs> We're still kicking. We're still kicking. Okay. So that was, you said 2018 is when you started. And then 2019. Course, 2019. Okay. So 2019. And then we have the pandemic and then everyone and their mother is starting a business. I've got to imagine your business picked up big time. Absolutely. I was so burnt out by December 2020. I bet. I bet. So what were kind of your first initial offerings as you started your own firm, like helping small business owners? What is the full breadth of what you have to offer? So I first started offering trademark um, 
registering your, your trademark, also contract drafting, contract reviewing, the business up and opening up your business structure, business entity, so LLCs, corporations, that stuff, and then copyright registration also. So I was doing a lot, and then <laughs> mm-hmm. oh no, because I I am I think that I have ADHD. Okay, so I am very much on a whim. So like, I if that. I don't like doing something, I'm like, you know what? We're changing this immediately. Uh-huh. I'm not waiting. So last month. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do anything but trademark registration. So I was like, that's what I'm doing from now on. But it took me a day. Mm -hmm. It was a day. Mm -hmm. And I put it on my website. I'm like, we are no longer offering these services. And it was everything but the trademark registration services. So So that's your specialty. Yeah, that's okay. That's the specialty. I just heard this explained on the Armchair Expert podcast. I don't know if you're a big like Dax Shepard fan, but he was saying that when they train, the way that they describe like this personality type is the way that they train the dolphins at SeaWorld. They can give them like a set of 10 tricks, right? And the dolphins will do the 10 tricks all day long. The orcas, on the other hand, like their mental capacity is that it doesn't matter how many treats you give them, fish, whatever they'll do the same trick like four times and then they're bored. And then they're like, I don't ever want to do this again. Give me something else. And I feel like that's a lot of entrepreneurs. I absolutely think so. Right. And what's so fun, because I have, I have the law firm side of things and I also have a separate resource okay. center, the, uh, the CEO legal loft shop. And that's where all my contract templates and stuff are housed. And I tell when I tell you, it's like, Every three months, I'm like, I'm just going to go all in on the the CEO legal loft. And then I'll be like, next month, yeah, I just want to focus on the trademark. I mean, the the law Mm -hmm. firm. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't have anything called balance. Yeah. It just does not exist for me. I know what that feels like, too. I'm very (laughs) much the same. I've got um, kind of similar. I've got my service-based business, of course, with the brand design and social media management. But now we're in a huge pivot because we're going to be dropping like Instagram management and we're going all in on video. So we're becoming a full video content creation agency. So we're going to be dropping Instagram as a management completely and focusing on video. Um, You've obviously taken off on video. You've had some incredible reels and TikToks. Tell us about the TikTok part of your marketing strategy. Sure. So I was actually talking to another attorney about this earlier. I, I started on TikTok in 2019. Me too. And I saw like... I think I got on, was it December 2019 or was it December 2018? I don't remember, but I just knew I was like, okay. Like I heard somebody talk about TikTok, Twitch, and there was another one at the time. And these were going to be the next up and coming platform. So I was like, I, I want to see what TikTok is about. I get on there. I don't post for probably like, I lurked for like a year. And then 2020 hit. I was like, you know what? I'm going all in on TikTok. So I started just creating videos. And then probably like the second week I started creating, I got a viral video. And I was like, well, here we are. And this is what we're going to do. I mean, I was like, I've been trying to grow on Instagram for three years now. I'm right. still at like 8K. Still right. haven't even hit the 10K mark. And in a matter of like one video, I got probably like two, 3,000 like followers on TikTok. It was insane. I'd never seen anything like this mm-hmm. it's like yeah I think this is what we're, and then my phone started ringing too okay that was gonna be my next question like which <laughs> came first like did the TikTok come first or the membership program come first because I've got to imagine a lot of your TikTok people are finding a lot of value in that membership right 
Yep. So the the TikTok came first, and I was mostly pr- promoting the firm thing, the mm-hmm. firm stuff, only because not a lot of digital product creators were on TikTok at the time. So right. I was like, I don't even know how to promote this on here. And so I ended up hiring a social media, like a okay. t- just one for TikTok, because I was like, I want the digital products to get off the ground. On I know TikTok can do this. I know mm-hmm. we can do it. I just don't know how to do this. And this is not my expertise. So I hired someone and she was helping me. I ended up getting a little bit of burnout. So I took a break from like December, from November to January, got back on. And and then like the first week that I got back on again, I had another viral video. And I, when I tell you, I got a thousand or so email subscribers for one TikTok video. I was like, okay, wow. This is wow. Okay. Okay, so talk us through all of those offerings. I know we talked about trademark, we talked a little bit about your membership, but all the way from free to bite-sized to bread and butter to VIP, it sounds like you do have free downloads and free opportunities for people to learn, if not just getting value from your newsletter, right? Yeah, so I have a free, my freebie is called the Legal Edit, and it is three templates that you need to put inside of your terms and conditions on your website. So I give that offering away, people love it. And so then obviously they go through that sequence and all that stuff. And so I have that. And then I have the LLC launch ebook because what I was finding was that everyone tells you how to create the LLC, but then nobody tells you what to do after. So that's kind of what that ebook does. It goes through not only how to form your LLC, but like how, what, what steps come after that. Okay. And then I have the CEO legal kit, which was like my first ever digital product. Like this is when I was like, oh my gosh, I can make passive income on a lot, like from the law firm. Wow, this is great. Um, so the CEO legal kit has been through so many iterations. I just added video content in February. And it really is just like the foundational guide for an online business. Like we're talking about advertising online legally, chargebacks, you know, what type of entity should you have? The different types of legal pages you need on your website. It really, ADA compliance, which is something that's totally new for websites. True. Um, and so I just lay everything out that as a business owner, when you're first starting out, what you need legally. So that's the CEO legal kit. Go ahead. Okay. No, uh, this is great. So then you've got the CEO legal kit. And then are you also working with clients on a one-on-one basis? So you are correct. I do. I do trademark registration only on a one-on-one basis. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about trademarking because I feel like this is a question that a lot of designers deal with. It's something that I tell my clients and it's in my contract that it is within, like they need to research if they can use the name. I am not a lawyer. I am not going to do your trademark research. By working with me, you consent to the fact that this name is available to you and I'm not going to give you your money back if it's not. <laughs> so <laughs> that's my big asterisk disclaimer. Yeah. Um, I'm, you're nodding your head. So I feel like that's the right thing to say. That um, is absolutely right. right okay, good, good. What's, what is a trademark for someone who's not familiar with the legal jargon? So it's just an, a source identifier. So you're walking into the store, you see the colors of something, you immediately associate it with a brand. You see the name, you associate it, you know, with that, that mm-hmm. brand. Um, so that's the most basic way to say it. It's a source identifier. And so there's different types of trademarks out there. So we have your names, logos, slogans. Then we have other stuff that people don't really realize, which are like sounds, smells, um, colors. Whoa. Those can all be trademarked too. Okay. Interesting. I always think when I think trademark, I always think to the Kardashians and how many trademarks they actually own. 
Yeah. Or the fact that they own like Kylie Baby, Kylie Skin, Kylie Home, Kylie Chair, Kylie Drug, <laughs> Kylie Window, Kylie House, Kylie This, Kylie. Like they just went and bought up every single trademark. Is that right. a strategy that most people are using? Or is that kind of like a, that is like a way out there kind of strategy? That's a way out there kind of strategy. That's usually what celebrities do. And the protection or the reasoning for that is so that you can go after someone if they're using that name, correct? Absolutely. Okay. And you have to be using the name too. Like a lot of times people think, which you can, you can hold your trademark, but you have to start using it within a certain amount of time before the trademark office is like, okay, this we're going to, you're technically going to abandon your application because you're not using your trademark yet. Oh, interesting. Okay. I didn't know that part. So perfect example, my podcast name called Kiss My Aesthetic, Facebook group called Kiss My Aesthetic just randomly like posted, like was on Amazon and typed in kiss my aesthetic. I was like, I wonder if there's anything in here that like already says it. Sure enough, someone had listed, like lifted the exact logo artwork from my podcast and was creating t-shirts with it on there. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was fun. Send it to my lawyer I work with. And I was like, so this exists. And she's like, yeah, we need to file your trademark yesterday. And we did. And now the trademark office is super backed up. Is this what's happened with COVID? Oh my What's gosh. going on there? So a trademark used to take between nine and 12 months to get. Now we're, we're looking at 18 months. Oh my gosh. Why? Why did it take nine to 12 months in the first place? Well, they're just as a, a government work, a past government worker. Sure. The government's not the quickest. Sure. So <laughs> yeah, it's always like that. The average was always like just nine to 12 months. That's just kind of what it is. Got it. But since COVID... Yeah, it just got backed up. And I think it's a lot. There was so many trademark applications that got filed in 2022. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, so beyond just trademarking like the name, we can, of course, trademark the logo artwork, correct? So for someone who's an artist like myself, where does that come into play from the creator side? Because the way that, and this is literally just a curious question. The way that my contract's written out now is that I own the intellectual property of the design and I license the design to the client to use. Um, but I can still use it in all my marketing. I have a photography, videography release. I can put it in my portfolio. I can display it any way that I choose. And they're basically purchasing, by purchasing a logo package, they're purchasing the license of that intellectual property of that design work. Um, so if a client were to say, okay, well now I want to trademark my logo. Are you then also selling the license of the logo so that it can be trademarked? So on your end, you would have to give them ownership of that because the trademark owner needs to be the one that's filing the person that's applied. Yeah, sure. Okay. That makes sense because I know there are some designers in the design community that will like charge for that part of it. Yeah. That's what I was just going to say. So it's not a charge. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So now we've got trademarks. We've got, um, is there a difference between, (laughs) this is so basic, the little TM and then the R in the circle? Yes, there is a difference. Let's explain that. The TM TM is just for anything that you would consider a trademark. So even if you haven't registered it, it's still, you know, you consider a trademark within your business. Um, And it could also be used if you have a state trademark, because we do have state trademarks, we have Mm -hmm. federal registration. The R with the circle around it is when you have officially registered your trademark with the federal government. So okay. Okay. So give us kind of an overview of a, like a perfect client that comes to you for that kind of service. So maybe they've been in business three to five years, they're launching a new signature program. They want to trademark the name of the program. How do you help them through that process? 
So I would say my ideal person absolutely knows how important it is to trademark. And they do it sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Because unfortunately, if you do it later, that name can be taken and we can't do anything about it. There's really not a lot that we can do on our end. We can try to facilitate you know, consent agreements, which is basically reaching out to another trademark owner and asking them, hey, is it okay if we also use the name? That's always an option. However, they can always say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, There's that, I mean, there's only so much that we as the trademark attorney can do, but if you just come to us just a little bit early, ask us if this name is available at least, and then we can go from there. I understand that it is expensive. I'm not the cheapest, but at the end of the day, it's so much cheaper to do that than to rebrand. Yes, Totally. And you're saving the time and effort with someone like myself who's doing all of the branding work, right? Exactly. So, and I've had clients that this has become an issue. Like I had a client that launched an online boutique and we did all of the branding and she was starting it with her three young daughters and they found a name that they loved, but she didn't check and she went to go launch and someone sent her a cease and desist. Yeah. Rough. So let's talk about that. Let's talk if you took that course of action, say you're a business owner, you decided to move forward with branding anyway, you didn't check the trademark, you got served a cease and desist. What are your next, what's your next course of action? How do you move forward? So, I mean, obviously you want to reach out to an attorney because sometimes people send cease and desist letters and they don't have the rights. They, they actually don't have the Okay. Rights. Okay. Drama. So, sometimes you can just send, you can, because anybody can send a cease and desist letter, but it sure. doesn't mean that the information in that cease and desist letter is correct or they have any merit to stop you. Um. Usually they have merit when there's a registration number, then we can talk like, you know, right. But you just saying you have common law rights, which that's, that is a thing, but you only have common law rights in a very narrow part of your area. Like it doesn't cross from state to state. Okay. Even with e-commerce and digital business. That's where we're getting a little touchy. I was going to say. Nobody's covered that yet. There's I been was no. Gonna say. Yeah. So we're still, we're, we are in this with you guys. That's the thing. Like we don't know everything because the law is just catching up. So we're trying right. to catch up with it. And we're, we're just, we're trying to use what we have available to us as in case law and trying to just kind of like piece it together. Like, oh, this is kind this situation is kind of similar to this situation. So. You can kind of compare those. And if you ever have to go to court, then we'll just use this case law. And, you know, yeah, I think that's where it gets really interesting and complicated from like a branding standpoint, because we ran into that issue with domains, right? Like there's only so many dot coms out there before your URL is so long that it's obnoxious. Right. So my website is a .co, mkwcreative.co. And I made that my social handles and it made it really easy. And that yeah. was fine because it was like consistent because mkwcreative.com was taken. So, and it was someone that lived in Ireland and they had mkwcreative.com. It's like, all right, let's be .co. So that kind right. of helped. And with the social domains, that gets a little tricky too. Um, but yeah, in this digital space, I've got to imagine like they're going to have to come up with some other stipulation that says like, this is allowed and this isn't allowed because technically I could have clients in Ireland. Like there's nothing stopping me from advertising in Ireland. So how does that work? So, I mean, U S registration only works in the U S. So if you do have a client in Ireland that your trademarks are not going to translate over there unless you file, you know, you can file with Ireland. Sounds expensive. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Wow. Okay. Crazy. 
So, okay. So now we've got the trademark thing kind of covered. Let's think to to some of the other legal headaches. Maybe you can tell like a story of a client you've worked with, or maybe it's about enforcing your trademark or enforcing a contract that starts to feel kind of icky. Um, where does having a really like tight terms and conditions and really tight contract come in your favor? I mean, it always comes in your favor, yeah, right? Because you totally. never want to be in a situation where somebody's done something wrong, but how are they supposed to know they've done something wrong if there's no contract to tell them that they've done something wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just a lot easier just to have everything written out. Somebody agree, you know, every party reads it, every all the parties agree and sign mm-hmm. and then if something goes wrong, you can say, you know, per my contract or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever your language is that you want to use to direct them, to let them know, hey, this is what my contract says. That you, you agree to. Be, <laughs> that you agree to. And you want to be kind about it because some mm-hmm. people just don't read. Yep. Most people don't read. And so, you know, just by saying that, you just it's all about how you say things to people because you just never know who this person is. Either. Like this could true. be a potential referral source. <laughs> true, 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 true. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for eight years and I've only had to like really lean in on my contract, maybe three times, four times total. Like right. it really doesn't happen that often, but man, when it does, you'll be happy you have it. Exactly. And it just happened like not too long ago with me and my team. And this client was sending basically on week seven of her project, sent a completely new contract. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we already have a contract. Like I'm not signing a new contract. I have a modification waiver in my contract that says any changes to this contract need to be brought to light before we sign the contract. Right. So like I was even covered on that part, but it derailed the whole project Mm. because it turned into this thing where she tried to send an NDA really after the fact. And it's like, well, no, I've already shared like the behind the scenes on my social media. Like I'm not going to retro, like, this is how I do my marketing is I live stream on TikTok and I share bits and pieces of the process. So if you needed me to sign an NDA, like you needed to tell me before we started. And it turned, it turned really awkward because it's just like, you'd never want to be that person that's like a jerk about it, but this is why we have contracts. And this is why I spent thousands of dollars on my contracts to protect myself as a business owner against someone from like bullying me into doing something different. Absolutely. And you never want it to go that way with a client, but it did it was like one of those sneaky things that like also when there's legal stuff, like it's really hard to like share about it because you don't want to like tell, you know what I mean? You're putting yourself at a risk, a liability. Like even now I'm giving like the minimal, 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 (laughs) minimal details because the whole thing's blown over. So it's like kind of whatever, but it can be really messy. Like legal can be super messy. And the other thing about it is confidentiality. Mm -hmm. So if you overshare and you have to go to court, we can use these third-party platforms to show that this person admitted this or, you know, yeah. Literally. But it's also important for it as a business owner to have a paper trail. Like I think that with this client specifically, I had screenshots of every interaction. Every meeting that we had was recorded. Every single instance where it was going sideways, I was like, no, I did my work here. Like in another life, I would have loved to be a lawyer because I love that part of like, let me present you all the things. (laughs) That's so satisfying. It's so satisfying Um, because I was actually an art history major in college. And the greatest thing about art history, which I think has some 
parallels to law is that you can take two totally different ideas, but if you can create an argument for why they're related to each other, there's kind of no reason that that argument can't exist. Right? right. So like, like you, like you're taking different case examples and you're saying, well, if this, and if that, then this, right. It's like, well, yeah. Right. <laughs> like that's the art of it. Like there's a lot of creativity in law. There is. Right. There is. There and is. I think we think of it as being super black and white, but you're living in the gray area. Exactly. Totally. Totally. There's, and there's so many fields now that like legal fields that there is so much gray area. NFTs, cryptocurrency. Okay. There. Yes. Let's get into it. Are you into these other things? This is my favorite freaking conversation right now. This is my favorite conversation. I just had this conversation with my team this morning, with my sister, with the, how do you, and it actually does relate to digital products. So you have a ton of digital products. You had this great TikTok that I commented on where it says you can put in your terms and conditions of your digital product that if I catch you distributing my product that I charge money for, like I can come after your butt. Right. Like I will send you an invoice. And right. I did something like to a less legal degree, but in a cheeky way on my last digital product where I said, karma's a bitch, but I'm a bigger one. Don't share this with anyone who hasn't purchased the thing. Right. Like right. I'm running a business here, people. Like, right don't just distribute it. So talk us through like where, what stops someone from setting out your presets or sending out your contract templates without your consent? And how would you ever know? So honestly, I'm going to be real. You can't stop it. You really Mm -hmm. can't. This Mm -hmm. is the world, right? This is how it is this day and age, unfortunately. Um, but there are, you know, there's some things that you can do. I know Gumroad is really mm-hmm. good about having like stamps, like identification stamps. Totally. So that's something that can be used. Um, obviously, you know, you can put things in your terms and conditions. It's, I'll say this, okay. Followers, they are the people who are an army. They are an army. Army. They will tell you or like. They are very much like, I see somebody do that. I've seen somebody do this, like, and they'll at you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But that's about building a a brand, right? You're building a brand where you're creating trust with people that get value from you for free. And I think if you're not a brand that's focused on providing loads and loads and loads of value to people, it's hard for people to want to be loyal, right? Like Exactly. Like it's kind of, I'm trying to think of another example. It's kind of the the LimeWire SoundCloud kind of, you know, to going from YouTube and doing a YouTube to MP3 downloader to listen to the song on yep. your, your phone, yep. right? Like it's very possible. And like all those things exist, but by doing that, you're kind of, you're hurting the person that you're actually wanting to benefit, which is like the artist or the musician. So exactly. if I take a Beyonce song and download it with like an MP3 downloader, I'm actually hurting Beyonce and I want right. her to make more music. So, right. so it's right. doing the opposite of the action. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I think that crypto space is going to shake that all up though. Where, where do you see crypto and NFTs and smart contracts like bleeding into law? Obviously, copyright. Mm-hmm. This is all co- like NFTs and copyright go hand in hand at this. Like they're very much. You can't have one without the other. Right. Um, right. And and what's weird about NFTs is that well, not weird, but what's great about it because anybody can create this NFT, right? And a lot of people, I've like, what's happening is people are buying graphics, but they don't have the they don't have the copyright. They, they still own it. Okay. Just because you bought the NFT does not mean you own the copyright. That copyright is still owned by the person that has created 
the graphic or okay, okay, whatever. Okay, this is making a lot of sense. So similar to me with the logos, right? So like if I make someone's logo, I give them the license, they're buying the license is similar to like purchasing the NFT. But then if I want to go print that logo on a t-shirt because I like it, they can't stop me from doing so because I still own the logo. Right. Aha. Okay. So like Board Ape Yacht Club could make like poster prints with the same Board Ape of the NFT that you own. Right. Okay. Because they own the actual, they own the copyright. They own the graphic. Got it. Got it. You just own, you just own the NFT. The NFT that authenticates that you own the digital file of the one version of the thing. Okay. 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 (laughs) All right. So this is the brain teaser I was having with my sister this morning. My sister's a wedding planner and we were talking about, okay, what do NFTs look like in the wedding space, in the events industry? Right. Yeah. So what if you could, I was telling her about like the LeBron, the, the LeBron shot, the dunk, right. You can like own LeBron's dunk from this specific game, this specific series and this specific camera angle. And that's minted as an NFT and it sold for a bajillion dollars and like people lost their mind over it. So I was explaining to her, like, what if you could mint an NFT of like the couple's first kiss as a married couple? And like, granted that doesn't really have any value to anyone other than to the couple itself, but could it down the road? Like, but also who owns that property? Like is her as a wedding planner, can she mint that if it came from the videographer that captured that kiss? Or is that the videographer's videographer's property? property. Okay. So if she were to do something like this, she'd have to purchase that video clip from the videographer with exclusive rights in perpetuity. Say, I now own this thing and I can do whatever I want with it. Then mint it, then gift it to the client. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Complicated. (laughs) Complicated. So the other thing we were talking about with like NFTs and crypto and what I was researching with her this morning on the computer was like how it's changing the events industry is more about creating DAOs. Do you know about this? DAOs? They're called DAOs. They're decentralized, decentralized, authenticated organizations. So basically as a fan of a sports team, let's say like the LA Rams. So if we're both fans of the LA Rams and the Rams decide to mint season tickets to Rams games, and they're all in this specific row, whatever. Because they've minted the tickets, they can authenticate that you are the one-on-one, one-of-one owner of like seat 15B. Right. Seat 15B, now because you're the one-of-one owner of that specific seat, you also get privileges within the Rams digital community. So maybe only NFT holders get to vote on what the next jersey design looks like, right? So you have more, more say or even more purchasing power within the community organization of the online space version of the in-person thing. So what we were thinking about with her, and this is like, well, literally I had this conversation this morning. So we haven't like, it's not a fully baked idea. Right. Is what if you could, so she just did this crazy wedding with this 40 foot floral tunnel, right? Beautiful flowers dripping everywhere, champagne, butterflies, the whole thing. It was like really like the wow piece of this wedding. And she had so many people messaging her saying, oh my gosh, this looks incredible. I wish I could have been there. Like, I wish I could see this or I'm a member of that country club. I've never seen it so beautiful before. What if she created like a video experience or a VR experience of walking through that tunnel, but then sold NFT tokens that you could then redeem to view the thing? Because now she can show her new clients, she can show other wedding planners, and she can charge to basically view that piece of digital content. Yeah, that's actually, it's 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 a brain teaser. It's totally a brain teaser because it's like, 
how do you create, and imagine you could put on the VR headset and walk through this 40 foot floral tunnel. And whether you're a prospective bride or you are um, another planner in another state, like all of a sudden you can take, you can access this digital resource. Like we would list digital products on our website, courses, workbooks, anything like that, but you're getting more of an experiential situation. That's, that actually sounds really cool. Right. It's going to be crazy. Like, it's really crazy. Like I went to the point, I was like, all right, I'm downloading Coinbase. Like we're doing the whole thing. I'm going to set up my account on OpenSea today. Um, And I told my team and they just were like, but I think as artists, it's super fascinating. So I was talking to the attorney earlier and he has a law firm on the metaverse. Okay. Tell me about that. What is he even doing there? (laughs) So I was like, help me more because I Mm -hmm. need to know. Um, he was telling me that, so right now, cause he's a, he's a newer lawyer and he wants to be in a cryptocurrency space. Yeah. And he was basically saying how he has this area in the metaverse on what is it? Decentraland, I think is the name. Uh-huh. Of. And so I don't know if he said yet, he's okay. like renting out office spaces. Uh-huh. I'm like, what is all of like, this is so interestingly weird. It is. It is. And like, I think the entry point to this conversation is, are you a technology optimist or like pessimist? Do you see it as a utopia or a dystopia? Because if you think technology is the downfall of civilization, you're not going to have a good time talking about metaverse in general. Like it's not going to be fun for you. Um, But if you put your marketing brain on or your branding brain on, or just your experience brain on, right? Like Imagine people could go to Decentraland, be cruising around and stumble upon your law office just like they would in any other place. Exactly. Exactly. And I was like, how many people are on Decentraland? He's like about 800,000. I was like, oh, Uh I can do a lot with those 800,000 people. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But I think the legal legal know-how within the metaverse has also just got to be, it's going so much faster than the law. So much faster. It's ridiculous. How like fast even digital nomad going. or work from home. Like I still asked my accountant this year. I said, can I really not write off part of my apartment? Because I do all of my work in my apartment and I don't have a right. separate bedroom for my, right. like I'm working from my dining table. But the way that, especially in California, though, it's like, you have to have a, a space that's 100% for work purposes right. and not for anything else. And if you do anything personal in the space, it's not a write-off. It's like, God damn it. So right. there's so many things that are so tricky. Okay. And I think that the NFT crypto space is like the Wild West. It is. Crazy. Digital products are still the Wild West. Totally. Totally. The other thing is, and I'm sure you deal with this as well, is like, okay, so to be a lawyer, you had to go to law school and pass the bar. For me to be a brand designer, I just have to have a laptop. Like, There's nothing really. Like, I don't have any certifications. I don't even have a degree in design. I'm just completely self-taught. So I think that you run into that a lot with the coaching space online with digital products of like selling something that's a nothing burger or selling a webinar that's just an upsell. So how do you, how do you help or how do you even navigate being like a conscious consumer of digital products? Because that's such a crazy landscape. I had to like chill out because I was buying all of the digital products. Okay. And it, and I see this all the time now, which I wish I would have seen back then, but I probably wouldn't have listened to it anyway. Um, stop trying to learn from so many people. True. Oh my gosh. That's a great nugget. (laughs) True. Because it's just going to confuse you more and you're just not, it's, you're just going to be spinning in circles. Yes. Yes. And there's so many things you have to learn by doing. 
Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, so tell us a little bit more about like some of those digital products that you bought. Like, did you buy some and you're like, are you joking me? Like, this is it? Yeah. I've bought even just like a $15 product, which is not a lot of money. Mm -hmm. But you sending me like a checklist of things that... Could have been a blog. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. If you're working with someone on their digital products, like granted, you're not like necessarily their business coach or product suite, whatever. But what do you want to make sure that they always include? Legally? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, both. Just both. Okay. Just like as an as someone from the legal side, but also as someone who's created a lot of digital products, like what do you think really does make the difference between a really shitty one and a really fantastic one? So I I need someone to walk me through things. Like you can't just say, do this. I need more than that. That's just how I learn. So I need a step by step, either like a video. I'll, I'll I still read, so you can give uh-huh. me words too. <laughs> uh-huh. Just tell me how to do it step by step. And we can go from there. Um, And yeah, it's just a lot of people, I feel like don't really truly take the time to sit down because everybody's like, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. It doesn't matter. You can always fix. Like it doesn't have to be perfect, but it does need to be a good quality product. Like no one's telling you to get it right the first time, but it needs to be quality. And that's what I'm seeing is missing a lot in this space. Um, because anybody can do it. I mean, there's no regulations on it. True. So. Do you think there will be? I do. Okay. It's probably not going to be in our lifetime, I don't think. I really, really? Don't think it is. I don't. Okay. Think. Okay. Interesting. Well, how do you envision that going down? I think it just has to be the the right person being like, I've had enough. I'm fed up. Yeah. And yeah. With being bamboozled. Be, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably going to go through like the FTC. I was thinking that. I was thinking that because we've kind of seen the FTC put their foot down on you have to tell your audience if you're using commissionable affiliate links, right? Affiliate links, influencer marketing, they're doing it all over there. So So that's an interesting thing. Testimonials, that's a big one that a lot of people ignore. Yep. Okay, because people fake them? Yes, they fake them. They hide their bad reviews. Ah. Like if they're on, yeah. So if you have... So FTC, Fashion Nova just got fined for this. Really? You know, you can list, you can write reviews on their, you know, products, right? They were hiding anything that was less than three stars. FTC said that's not allowed. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Well, yeah, that would make sense, right? Because you're misleading. It's it's misrepresentation. And you're misleading your consumer. The other one that got in hot water for misleading their consumer is Facebook. I don't know if you caught all this drama. But they basically, the Facebook ads manager was listing the demographic of 18 to 35-year-olds in Chicago for small business, like for running ads, as five Mm -hmm. times the actual national average of 18 to 35-year-olds. So they were misleading their small business owners to buy ad space for a demographic that did not even physically exist in Chicago, let alone have a Facebook account. (sighs) What I didn't hear about this. When did mm-hmm. this happen? I linked it on my blog. I'll send it to you. I'll send it okay. to you. This happened within the last month, and it was kind of a whistleblower situation. Also, that Facebook ran off an entire smear campaign against TikTok. I saw that one. That's <laughs> I fun. Did see that. I That's was like, fun. wow, they're really trying to take this company down. Right, which is like not boding well for Facebook and Instagram. It's like that not. doesn't make it's anyone not. want to use your products more. 
It just reminds me of like being in elementary school when two people are running for class president and the other one's like, their shoes smell. (laughs) It just starts this whole campaign about like, they have stinky shoes and like their shoes never smelled in the first place. It's like so juvenile. Well, what's funny about it all is that I think if Instagram would have kept being Instagram, having a zone of genius that they were in, instead of trying to grab what everybody else was doing around them and putting it into one platform, they've honestly, I think they've done the complete opposite of what they thought they were doing or Mm -hmm. were hoping to do. Cause now I literally go on Instagram. I copy, (laughs) copy Mm -hmm. link, go to SSKTikTok.io or whatever, Mm -hmm. take the watermark off, post it on my Instagram and I sign off of the platform because I have Mm -hmm. no reason to be there. Truly. I just, it's not entertaining anymore. Not for me. Yeah. And it's not giving us as business owners who only like, we need to do our business. We can't just be creating content all day long. Right. So when you're the person, and I had a conversation about this with my client too, I was like, I know that you love making videos, but like, I need you to do your job and like, let us make the videos for you. Um, so that you can focus on the job part. And if you're continuing just like anything else in your business, if you're not running a consistent audit on your time, your effort, your energy, and your return on all of those things, and you're losing time, effort, and energy to something that isn't giving you a return, you're making a huge mistake. Exactly. And like, regardless of how much you like the platform and, oh, that's where my friends are, like, find other ways to hang out with your friends. Like, if this is for business... We need to really audit this because you're exactly. not getting out of it what you thought you were. And that's just not a good business move. And what's so funny about it is that I went to my Google Analytics at the end of at the beginning of this month. And I was like, this because this is gonna be the month that I'm like, sayonara, Instagram, because mm-hmm. I'm over you. But Instagram is still bringing a lot of people. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's interesting. I think it's a little more time. I think if TikTok can fix their DMs and have a better DM <gasps> management system, that Gosh, would be ideal. Please. Right? I'm so much more ideal. So yeah. much more ideal. If TikTok could like better get people, there's just still a lot of functionality within Instagram that doesn't totally exist within TikTok. Doing polls, having question stickers. But I right. really think maybe that's what TikTok's doing with stories. Yeah. You know, like maybe that's what they're going those. to. I've yeah. started using those. It's interesting. Because if they come up on your For You page, uh-huh. but- at the same time, I'm allowed to make like the fun content that I like to make. Like totally. I love clothes. So I like do outfit of the days on my stories. They go away and mm-hmm. I get to, you know, still b- create content that I enjoy. Totally. Um, aside from, you know, my regular feed, which has, you know, all the legal stuff on it. I think so. you do a really smart job of marrying the both though. Because like your, the clips that stick out to me when I think of your account are those like slow-mo walking clips and you're in like a bomb <laughs> outfit and you've got the text on screen and I'm like, holy moly, this is like, this uh, The whole thing is great. Like this yeah. with this, this is my kind of girl. Like, yes. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you approach your TikTok stuff. Sure. So when I first started out, I was pointing. No shame in my game. It was cool in 2020, okay? I was doing the pointing videos and that was fine. But then what I was finding was that I was always having to show up and I can't show up. I have to run a law firm. I cannot show up all the time. I'm not just a content creator. And so then the whole seven second trend came around and I was like, <laughs> this is my type of trend. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I just like, I had started um, a outfit account on Instagram just to be like, so if, when I did work with influencers and stuff, I could at least understand where they were coming from sure. and stuff. So I was creating that content on the rooftop of this building and 
I was like, let me, I can actually just post some text on the screen while I'm creating, you know, two birds, one stone. Mm -hmm. So um, I just started doing the walking text or the walking uh, videos with the text and they've been doing really well. And I've just kind of been repurposing those videos over and over. And when I feel like making new content, I'll go to the roof. But for now, I don't feel like making new content. I mean, work smarter, not harder. That is the name of the game for sure. Um, besides the the marrying of the fashion and the TikTok and the legal, which I think is just such a perfect storm, especially for your demographic you're working with, what else would you say makes your brand particularly bragworthy? I would say that a lot of my clients, when they come to me, they say, you didn't make me feel stupid because I didn't know about the law. I'm like, I didn't know about the law either until I became a lawyer and studied it for three years. Well, over three years, you True. know, because I have to still study as a lawyer. Um, So I didn't like, I don't, I went into law school. It was another language. Mm -hmm. I had, I had no attorney friends. I didn't know any attorneys. And so like they're, they were speaking this language and I'm like, okay, we can simplify this. I was Mm -hmm. like, when I started my, like my law firm, I was like, simple terms, no legal jargon. I don't even like legal jargon. So I'm not going to talk like that to somebody else. So that's the big thing that people come to me for relatability, I guess. Totally. What um, kind of clientele is your favorite to work with? Oh, what is my favorite? I don't, I don't think I really have a favorite per okay. se. I do work with mostly like podcasters and okay. course creators and some service space. And then I've also gotten fashion girlies, beauty sure. girls. Um, so I worked with them too, but I don't, I don't care about the subject matter it's you as a client that matters. Right. Like, you're hard to work with. Right. I see my, like, I like the straight, like they know exactly straight what shooter. they want. Yes. And that I can work with because I have had to work with the other ones. And it is the hardest, most time consuming thing that I've ever dealt with. Because as entrepreneurs, I get it. There's so many ideas coming up. There's so many ideas in your brain. Mm-hmm. But I need you to think logistically because the USPTO doesn't care what's in your brain. They need to see evidence and what's on paper. Totally. Exactly. Totally. So. Oh my gosh. I have so many clients I need to send you because we're launching like new merchandise campaigns and like all kinds of shirts and hats and bags and like all this fun stuff that's going to be all branded. And I was like thinking to myself, like, man, they really should trademark that like soon, <laughs> soon, soon, soon. What's one thing that you do particularly well and what's something you'd like to get better at? One thing I do particularly well Oof, that's kind of hard. I mean, I would say for an attorney, I give myself props on the social media. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it's why we're having this conversation for sure. I would say that's something that I'm really, I think I'm pretty good at, pretty great at in comparison to my, you know, other counterparts, colleagues. Um, And then what could I be better at? Not like I could be better at focusing. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I have a hard time with just being really focused on things. I sh- I'm a multitasker and I'm terrible at it. Nice. So. <laughs> I, I totally know how that feels. <laughs> no, it makes sense for why you'd want to take on like trademark project after trademark project. Because I'm sure each one is slightly different, but they're still interesting enough. And it has a very like clear start and finish. Versus being someone's like lawyer on retainer where you're like, I don't know what you want me to do for five hours this month. Like that sounds more boring. Yeah. 
Exactly. Okay. I'm with you. I'm exactly. with you. Well, where can everyone find you, follow you, connect with you, take advantage of your membership? That sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> where can we find you online? So you can find me on TikTok, obviously, just the trademark attorney. That's all you have to type in and it pops Love up. Love that handle. Love that you got that one so fast. Right? Uh-huh. Because I started in 2020 when uh-huh. nobody else was on there. Um, but Instagram, not so lucky. I'm the trademark attorney underscore over there. Uh, where else can you find me? Website? Yeah, website is for the law firm is www.wilsonmurphylaw.com. And then if you want to join the membership, you can go on to www.theceolegalloft.com. Perfect. I just loved your name when you filled out my contact form because my dog's name is Wilson and my name is Michelle. <laughs> so it's like, wow, there's so much happening here. <laughs> Michelle, Michelle, Wilson, Wilson, Murphy. Like I don't have a Murphy in my life, but maybe I need one. <laughs> and then it's all connected. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. Please connect with Michelle, everyone, trademark attorney. And uh, yeah, connect on TikTok. Go check out our TikTok videos for sure. Cool. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks so much. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.